Broadcasting. Broadcasting. From the Associated Credit Union of Texas Studios. Sports Talk. This is my manly voice. Sports. Wildcard Sports. FinalDraftRadio.com. What is up? Welcome on in. This is Wildcard Sports. You're listening live on Vinyl Draft Radio. I'm your host, as always, Will. Uh, I'm Will. Yeah, that's right. Hey, and got a special guest on, Adam Smasher, joining me, waiting for Trina to get on in here in the next few minutes. I didn't want you to feel lonely, so I was like, hey, I'll come talk to you. Yeah, well, I really need some I need some comfort right now. I need some people Look, to console me after last night. Listen, I uh, had a friend of mine, uh, and she is a huge baseball fan, and she said... Even after they swept the Indians, uh-huh. Boston is going to be the huge problem. Some people were more concerned about Cleveland and Boston, and Boston, look, they brought it. Offense I mean, was unreal. Their offense was just it. insane. And, yeah, you know, to your point, I, that's exactly how I was. I was a lot more concerned with Cleveland uh, than I was with Boston because I just thought, you know, going into it after we swept Cleveland, I just thought we were obviously the better team. But we had the momentum, and then we did. Yeah, what happened? I don't know. Oh my goodness! Well, yeah, of course we got to break that down. I'm sure if you were living under a rock, uh, you missed it last night. The Astros turned in their World Series crown. Uh, of course, the Red Sox won after a five-game series. We mentioned this earlier. When's uh, when's the last last time back-to-back were won? Was late '90s? What was it? The yeah, Yankees? The two, yeah, two thousand. Well, not, Yankees actually won it back to back to back '99 through 2001, right? And that was the last time back-to-back happened. So it's hard to do. You're, Hell yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's insanely hard to do, and especially when you're going up against a lethal offense like Boston. I mean, one through four, we just couldn't get outs against them. It was just terrible, but. You know, I've just never seen a series like that where after game one, the Astros just completely dominated. 7-2 to win, went into Boston, just destroyed them, and then proceeded to lose four straight games. It was just, it, it's one of those things where better offense just beat better pitching. So, I mean, it's any it's anyone's game, let's face it. Yeah, all right. Uh, you know, it, you, you go into a game, you, you know, you, you have upsets all the time. I think the best example of that is in college basketball. Mm-hmm. When that tournament comes around, you know there's yep. going to be at least one or two, like, just complete upsets yep oh yeah oh, here trina. we go we finally got trina in you've here, been replaced <laughs> oh yes. man what's up trina good what's to have up? you in wow uh, but there's nothing to be ashamed of though as far we yeah, were disappointed but they that it's a good it's a good uh baseball team yeah they, it, they are it, awesome. it was and i mean it was a great season it, you know of course they lost in five games i guess you call that the gentleman's sweep but it really was a lot closer series than it actually showed on paper but you know what all right let's skip all uh, let's skip all of the game analysis wait, wait, right wait, now wait, we, wait. No, I knew they would win their first game, but I, I I said they had to win the first game, but I didn't know that we would lose like that. You just you go from a team that okay over the last uh, I guess three years in the postseason they were eleven and two at home going into that play into the playoff series against Boston, and then proceed to lose three straight on that one. It was just. You know, baseball is one of those games where, of course, luck is a big factor and it comes into it. And you got to get those swings going your way. Boston had it going, it just going their way on every single break. But also, don't you feel baseball players, uh, superstition comes into play, but they, baseball players, I feel, get inside their heads more than anybody else. And, mm-hmm. and oh, once, yeah. you, oh, once yeah. you're mentally in, you're just, you're screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you saw that with the pitching staff, especially yeah. with guys that coming in late innings. You know, Trina, you talked about it in the past with guys being yeah. able to close out games for us. This, we yeah, couldn't do it. we couldn't close out. And I'm I mean, I was so hurt. I mean, I told you, I think they gave me a heart attack the other night. <sighs> yep. That one was too tough to lose. Uh, was it game four? Game four. Oh, yeah. And that's the one we got to talk about. That one, I had a heart attack. I was, 
Yeah. Every, every All right. Time. So yeah, we got to ask the big question. You got. I'm sure you guys saw it. Was it fan interference on the home the Altuve home run to right field? Yeah. You think it was fan interference? No. No. <laughs> Man, I don't know. It could go either way because I at first I looked at it a bunch of times yeah. and then I thought, wow, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're they're in there, but I, I don't know. But I mean, let's face it. If if it's not a huge would that difference. Be a, yeah, would that been a, have been a game changer? Would, yeah, I mean, it could have. I'm yeah. not going to say it. It, it, it. It's not. But, I mean, I think you're right to the point where it was like, the, it came down to the Astros could not get outs against yeah. the top four. J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, those guys at the top of the lineup for the Red Sox just were were absolutely mauling the ball. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, in in regards to the fan interference call, you know, I was actually at the game and I was sitting down the down the first base side and I remember I had a pretty good view of it. And, of course, when Altuve hit it and I saw it happen, I thought, I was like, they're going to call that fan interference on that. You know, I, I think it's still debatable whether or not it was fan interference or not. And I know, of course, all Astro fans don't think that it was. But the fact is, in a game like that, when the, play, when the call on the field was initially fan interference and you have no angles to overturn it, what else can you expect yeah. in that situation? Right. It, it just sucks because, I mean, at the same time, it doesn't look like it because it was far off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Yeah, it's one of those things too. I mean, it, it's just it was so frustrating to watch the series as Astros fans because go you know dating back of course to last year, it felt like every single break went the Astros' way in the mm-hmm. playoffs. You know, uh, all, all the way from them uh, getting four runs off of Kershaw in the World Series to come back and win that to you know of course uh, game five or game seven of the World Series where they just absolutely dominated. It just felt like all the breaks were going the Red Sox way, and I mean I think that's accumulation of really good talent on Boston's part, and then yeah. of course guys being able to absolutely rake at the plate for well him. i mean look at the, they clearly they clearly in in my opinion which i'm not look y- you are a bigger sports guy than <laughs> i am but i have been following this very closely and uh they had the clear advantage not only do they have a great baseball team but their manager also knows the astros in, yeah, that in, is inside very true. and out yeah. very true yeah and i mean hey yeah alex core of course the astros bench coach last year he knows he knew the game plan to attack these guys absolutely and i mean one thing that we don't we haven't even talked about of course is the astros were injury ridden going into this altuve knee yeah. force them you know force them into some situations they wouldn't necessarily want to be in uh having to start tony kemp in left field although tony kemp did really step up for he the did. astros he really did i was i was really impressed with their defense um this series so nonetheless i mean no things didn't go our way but i was really impressed with it yeah i, I was impressed and i mean if, with him coming in like that you know a guy that you really didn't expect to get in, you know any any playing time whatsoever in that in the uh in the alcs but did you like bregman in the leadoff position or you're not a fan I, of that? I liked it when they first did it because the thing is Bregman going into game three game two or three whenever they started he was I think 17 of 24 when it comes to getting on base so the guy was getting on an astronomical rate I mean he was 75% of the time he was getting on base and the problem early on with the Astros is they couldn't get they couldn't get guys uh, or they couldn't get timely hits get guys in scoring positions so I was a fan of it I thought it was a good idea but he obviously did not thrive in that position at all no Mm -hmm. but he he, this season though he stepped it up oh yes absolutely absolutely but do you think I heard this point too do you think and maybe this is a a Major League Baseball, you could apply this to every team. They are more concerned about swinging for the fences than actually just getting on base and running positions. You know, that's actually a very interesting point there because the biggest thing in sports or in baseball coming in this year was the launch angle. And that basically, you, you saw teams like the Rays where they set it up in spring training. They put a big fence all throughout the infield. They did not want guys hitting it on the ground at all. And the Astros, being as analytical as they all are, I think went with that approach as well. And on top of that, 
if you're a right-handed batter in Minute Maid Park and you see 310 down the line, left field in the Crawford boxes, it's hard for you to be a, to be a right-handed hitter and not try and swing for the fences on right. that. And yeah, I think you saw that happen a lot this year, and I think that was a factor in how bad the Astros were at home. And I mean, I say bad, but they were they were teetering on 500 at home, and they were a historically great team on the yeah. road. So I think that did actually play a factor into it as far as that goes. But you know, the, I think more than anything, the overlying issue with this team this year is you look at last year how the Astros won the World Series they had a historically great offense Mm -hmm. guys that were getting timely hits and guys that were hitting I mean I think they had three guys last year that had a 950 plus OPS which is just that's basically that that's unheard of to have that many guys do that and this year it was we flipped it we flipped the script we had all-time great pitching and our offense really let us down and I think I, I think you know that might be the blueprint from here on out with it when it comes to building a World Series championship caliber team is they got to get back to where they were in 2017 with that offense. And I think that starts with the approach. And, of course, whether that whether or not their approach was swing for the fences all the time, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not 100% sure as far as as far as far what the game plan was because, yeah, it, it was just a very frustrating game to watch. Yeah, I couldn't okay, believe so it. Okay, so that last game, though, is that coaching strategy gone wrong and not pulling the pitcher and letting him throw slow balls that are easy to hit or was that just the Red Sox really getting a hold of those balls and loading bases I think it was to the a Red grand Sox. slam oh I, I think it was accumulation of both I think the Red Sox the Red Sox top four they have maybe one of the best top four in their lineups of all time between Mookie Betts uh you know Andrew Benatendi Xander Bogarts and JD Martinez those are guys that are historically great but the problem with the Astros pitching wise was their approach because you look at it in all these games they were getting behind in counts and when you go up against a lethal offense like that you have to get ahead in the count and you have to stay ahead when you get into 2-1 counts against the best hitters in baseball 2-1-3-1 counts it's just a recipe for disaster on that but uh, you know there was a lot of things that that went into this I mean of course there were some bad at bats and stuff but I just really think that more than anything the timely hits didn't come when the Astros needed them and then on top of that the game plan the Red Sox had a game plan that they executed they did and I mean these guys I mean you could you, you guys saw it I mean what did you guys see as far as you know these guys being able to just absolutely rake this pitching all year because I wasn't expecting that as good as our pitching staff has been all yeah, year. yeah the thing was um going into this series when you asked me about was I nervous about it I was um, I say that, like I said, I, I felt like that first game in Boston was a must win for the Astros, in which they got it. But you could see game two, how the whole momentum of the series shifted. Mm-hmm. When Boston won and then they came here and they won and then they just, they never let up. And so, you know, when you when you look at it from that perspective, we never recovered. We never bounced back. We never got into a, a solid flow, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And then to lose game four the way we did, they they it, got the momentum and they yeah. never lost they it. They never yeah. lost mm-hmm. it. And and for us to lose game four the way we did, it just it, it to, I feel like hope started being yeah. lost. In it. order for the momentum to shift, there yeah. has to be like you know a huge a play huge exactly. Uh, and they just they couldn't get those. Yeah. And that would have been the one if we would have won that. It, Game he, he, four, what did yeah. he get? A, um, he got the out, but we were loaded, right? Uh, in game four, are you talking about the fan interference play? Yeah, I mean, it no, was, the end, the very, very end. Oh, the, very, the last the, inning. Yeah, the last inning. I think we had we had the tying run, uh, or eighth inning. We had the tying run come up. Ninth inning, uh, we went pretty quietly. I mean. Game five was just, I think that was a kind of accumulation of frustration for the Astros because you saw, again, you saw a lot of bad at-bats, a lot of guys rolling over on pitches. Uh, and credit to the Red Sox. I mean, they, they had a they had a great uh, they had a great game plan. David Price pitched an amazing game. But 
I don't know. Game five was just, I feel like, an accumulation of all this frustration we had throughout the series. It was a drag. And then uh, the worst thing to happen in game five is, of course, the guy on the mound is uh, is was 0-9. David Price was 0-9. Had, oh, yeah. had never won a postseason start in his career. And then, of course, he, he goes it. out there and beats us. It, I just, it was one of those things. I just don't think it was our w- year. What's up with the guy who has the stance and he looks like a, a spider? Oh, uh, yeah, the, like the, this? Yeah, uh-huh. what, is, what is that? I have what is n- going on with I that? I have no idea. He's been doing that for you know six, seven years, however long he's been in the it's league. It's almost like if he had one leg up, it would be the crane, the Miyagi <laughs> crane kick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, and I mean, if, if you're a batter in the, you know, in the box and you see that happen and of course you have scouting reports on Kimbrel but yeah I mean if I'm in the back I'm gonna be like there, the okay heck? there are two reactions to that okay you could be like what's this weirdo going or you're gonna be like oh shit what's about to come like you're scared like he's <laughs> yeah. like about a, to go down. yeah I don't know yeah and I mean hey I mean the Astros got to him a little bit I mean of course you saw in game uh, game four the end of the game of course had the bases loaded with Bregman up at the plate so he definitely wasn't yeah. on his A game but that he, part uh, Yes. I mean, there's just there's so many things to pick out from this entire series where the Astros just had a chance to swing that momentum, just like you yeah. guys talk about, and they just couldn't get those timely hits. They just couldn't do it. Who do you, you think the uh, the Sox are going to be, uh, Dodgers or Brewers? Dodgers. I hope it's not the Dodgers. It's I don't want to see Dodgers. the Dodgers yeah. get it. But, no, yeah, Dodgers up three games to two. They got two games left in Milwaukee. Uh, either way, I, I think L.A. probably sneaks it out. But the fact is, I don't think anybody's beating the Red, Red Sox. Sox. The Red Sox are just absolutely – really their offense is just incredible. They're I mean, like – they have the offense we had last they year. They really did, yes. Like, and that's a, that's a great point because, yeah, you talk about it. I mean, they have a historically great offense just like we did last year. And I think that's where you're kind of seeing baseball move. Of course, you know, it used to be – the old adage used to be – Great pitching beats great hitting. But honestly, in the last few years, it's, it's been the been exact <laughs> opposite of that. So, I, you know, I, I don't know what the game plan is for the Astros. If you look, it, it, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about the Astros going into next year. But if you look at it, they're not losing a whole lot of guys. Right. Uh, yeah, Marwin Gonzalez, Dallas Keuchel, those are going to be the two headliners that you'll probably see go for free agency. But I think I think the blueprint for this off uh, offseason is, of course, get guys healthy and get bats back in the lineup that who, are going to be able to get those timely hits. Who else's uh, contract is up? Is it uh, Carlos Correa? Or no, Springer? no, no, no. Uh, Springer uh, Springer is not eligible for free agency until after the twenty twenty season. Okay, twenty twenty. Uh, and then yeah, Correa. I mean yeah, Correa Springer. I mean Correa uh, and Bregman are probably I think twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two after that. So we still got quite a few years of team control under those guys. Uh, Verlander will likely be a free agent after next year. Mm-hmm. But that being said, we're going to have most of this team returning to next year. And I mean, really, I think I think they have a blueprint for what they need to do to get back to the to the World Series. Well, I, it's it's different when you when you uh, especially la- when they won the World Series. A lot of people say, well, they they didn't ha- well, they didn't have anything to lose. They just mm-hmm. were out. But now, when you you're defending, so you you do you yeah, have everything harder. to lose. Absolutely, yeah. So maybe next year, you know, will be hey, we got to get that back. Yeah, you know, I don't know. And, and that's what they say. Is it's always harder to go back and win it. Like it's always harder to do back to back because everybody everybody's been at their neck all season long. Mm-hmm. A, a yeah, lot of, true. and this is true. in any, I'm going to get really deep and <laughs> philosophical here. Philosophical. All right, Aristotle. Here uh, we go. This is true in any, not just sports, in life in yeah. general, and whatever you're doing. A lot of people want to celebrate and just it's it's awesome when you become number one at whatever you do. You're number mm-hmm. one uh, sales guy at your job. You're number one whatever and 
wise men or women will tell you it's not getting there it's keeping that yes. number one spot is yeah. that's going to be the toughest yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah and you yeah you took that was so- deep <laughs> that was so deep oh uh, deep thoughts with adam smasher but uh, it's true yeah it, it no is. it is it really is because yeah. yeah you look back into it uh two years ago when the cubs won the world series the same kind of thing they had a really really great group of young talent that everybody said this team is going to be a dynasty for the next four or five years and they stunk yeah that, they, yeah they just haven't been able to get back to where they were you what, have to um, you know this as an athlete you have to when you win a championship that ne- you have to work harder you gotta work ne- harder mm-hmm. you got i mean you, you got everybody to, coming at you yeah everybody's coming at you every single night and you gotta stay you almost have to play a, a perfect game yes. every time yeah that and that's and that's exactly and that's, true yeah because i mean you look at the astros uh, you know, after last year, of course, as we said, they had all the breaks going their way. You know, I'm I'm really proud of this team. I, I you know I don't want to say I don't want to you know dog them or anything because no. this what, uh, a franchise record in wins. Uh, you know, arguably the best pitching staff the Astros have ever had. And of course, the offense let them down throughout the year, but there were a lot of injuries. But that being said, you know when you saw them get into this ALCS in this ALCS, and especially when I got to game uh, game three at home, you know. The Astros, it didn't seem like they had a really great game plan. And the fact is, when you're the World Series champions, you Mm -hmm. have the target on your back, like you said. You have to have that A game plan every single time you go out there. And unfortunately, in Game 3, I thought that that was when I really started getting worried because you saw the Astros swinging at first pitch, breaking balls. Altuve rolled over, I think, on two or three pitches, first pitch. Which is just for a major league for a major league uh, baseball team, especially in the playoffs, it's just not a good game plan that yeah. they had, and they had some really bad at bats, and they just didn't look like themselves out I there. I just when, when I watched the Astros this year, I didn't see that excitement that I saw last year. I didn't see any of the excitement throughout this series at all. I mean, you saw pieces of it, but you didn't see it full out throughout the whole thing. And I don't know if they're just tired or because you got to remember they're the only team them and uh, besides who did they the beat Dodgers, the Dodgers yeah. that didn't have a break. Mm-hmm. When when you are you know like I said when you're that team from last year that you know you, your franchise has never won a World Series. You're you're mm-hmm. you're hungry. You're you. But when you and it, it, mm-hmm. I think it's with any body when you become champions your mentality changes yeah, yes relaxed. yes exactly yeah and i mean it's it's almost like you don't have that pressure on your back that hey we got to go out there because we got to get this world series win we yeah. haven't won it yeah. and yeah so do you think complacency kind of killed the momentum uh, i think so i mean i think i think to an extent i mean i don't want to say complacency i think it was more an accumulation of bad game plan bad yeah. at bats and whether that's in a result of complacency that's i mean that's to be debated right there but they're the, i'm not saying that they, they they didn't work hard uh-huh. You have to work hard to just to be in the majors. Mm-hmm. You have to work hard. Oh yeah. But again, your mentality does change a little bit. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. And I mean, on top of that, you know, I just yeah, a lot of things. Guys trusting their stuff a little too much. You saw it with the pitching. Uh, you know, Garrett Cole got rock game too. I mean, stuff that we didn't see in the regular season or weren't expecting to see in the regular season mm-hmm. happen in the playoffs. And you have to be prepared for stuff like that because playoffs are a completely different animal mm-hmm. than the regular season, and you have to be ready to adapt. And you know, there were there were some decisions. You know, AJ Hinch made some decisions last year that if it didn't work out, people would have called him crazy. Well, he made some decisions this year where, you know, of course, it didn't work out. You talk about pulling Dallas Keuchel out early in Game 2, right before, of course, the game blew open. Uh, you know, some decisions like that. It just, those those calls, those plays, those tiny little things that, you know, would have changed the series just didn't go the Astros' way. Yeah. And I think that's just a result, of course, of the Red Sox being a really, really great team and being very, very prepared. And to your point, Adam, of course, having a guy in the dugout that knows this Astros team and knows how to attack them. 
I think it showed out there. I really yeah, do. And and they had a great season. You know, yeah. I, I don't think you you can't really. Uh, it's not like the Cubs, like you said, like they tanked that mm-hmm. next year. We're, we were division champions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we still a great team. So you just get out there and work harder, and ne- you know, get them next year. That, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, coming up here, we'll talk a little bit about what we can expect from this Astros team next year. Of course, uh, got some free agencies, free agents coming up, but overall, got a good team, uh, got a great team returning next year. Of course, and I'm sure they'll be right back at it in the mix of next year as well. Got to talk about those Texans. Of course, got their third straight win on the way to 13 and three, just hey, like I predicted. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and then, of course, Trina. I'm going to have Trina break down that Rockets uh, loss on Wednesday. No, tough time to be a Houston fan right now this week, at least. But of course, stay tuned. You're listening to wild card sports on vinyl draft radio <laughs> connect with will and trina on facebook or go to vinyl draft lori copy a name you can trust lori copy a branch manager with prime lending serving the clear lake area for over 28 years lori why are you saying it like that copy helping hundreds of satisfied clients with their home loan needs lori seriously copy if you're purchasing refinancing or renovating your home visit lcoppock.com to get the professional service you need mls number 176539 equal housing lender lori copy no for god's sake i'm the son and I love to make a hot mess out of your expensive hair color. And I'm Brenda Olivares of the Beauty Boss Show. Don't let the sun ruin your hair color. Reverse that brassy mess with IGK, Mixed Feelings Purple Toning Drops. Mixed Feelings turns any styling product, shampoo, or conditioner into a purple toner that cools your hot, brassy blonde. Mix the products and the drops together in your hands before applying. Mixed Feelings by IGK at your local salon. If your local salon doesn't currently have Mixed Feelings, let them know that they can order it from RDA Promart of Webster, Pasadena, Pearland, or Lake Jackson. Salons, ask for the Beauty Boss Special. When you purchase 10, you get one free. That's right. I said one free for back bar use. Uh, I'm having mixed feelings. Keith here from Papa John's. And the king of the Texas Renaissance Festival. And if you want to go to the festival, all you got to do is go buy any Papa John's pizza. Buy an adult ticket and you'll get a kid's ticket for free. You can even get it online. We'll see you at the festival. Papa John's Houston. Huzzah. Listen or watch previous episodes in our audio and video archives. Just go to VinylDraftRadio.com. Just look for Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. What is up? Welcome back on in. This is Wild Card Sports. You're listening live on Vinyl Draft Radio. I'm your host, as always, Will, joined by my trusty co-host, Trina. Trina, What's up, of course, Will? thank you for coming on. Of uh, course. Of course, thanks to Adam for joining us first segment, talking about the Astros. Of course, really tough loss. Yeah, you guys had, I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement there. There was just, it was an accumulation of things. Uh, you know, of course, the target's always been on the Astros' back. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard not to be proud of this team after the way that they performed last year. Yeah. Really put the city on their back, of course, after Hurricane Harvey. Um, and it's just tough. It's tough to repeat yeah. as champions, as Adam said. I it mean, is. It is. And, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't see the excitement out of them. I wish I would have seen. But when you think about it, I don't know if they were just tired or... You know, they tried to push through and mm-hmm. continue to battle, but I just feel like the Red Sox, man, they they are on another level right now, as they, they have yeah. been. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think if you look across any sport, whether it's basketball, football, NFL, I mean, the team that's hot, it yeah. gets hot at the right time, that's usually the team that's going to win. And I mean, it's right. hard. It, when it's a seven-game series, it's hard for the best team not to win. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, you got to give credit to the Red Sox. I mean, I think, you know, I think it was a lot closer series than, of course, you know, a four-to-one series win would indicate. 
Uh, but that being said, the Red Sox executed. They had timely hits. Uh, they, you know, their bullpen actually held up a lot better than I expected them to, yeah. other than Kimbrell. Um, it's just tough. It's tough yeah. loss. It's tough loss. It's tough that to come off the you know off the World <laughs> Series championship like that, um, and let you know have a little bit of a letdown this year. But yeah, but I think we'll be back. I think uh, next year we'll come back. We'll refocus. We'll be ready, re-energized, refreshed. Absolutely. Um, I I, I just see that they probably need a break. Just time with yeah. their families. You know, just things that you know we don't think about is those professional athletes because they're still human at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's I think that's a great point and I mean, more uh, even more over. I mean, of course, they just need to get healthy. I mean, Correa, mm-hmm. Altuve, exactly. Lance McCullers, three of the really key guys that, you know, were a big factor in last year's World Series were hurt most of, most right. of this postseason and most of this year. Yeah. So I mean, of course, getting healthy is going to be a huge key yeah. to it. You know, we talked about it. They are going to lose downtime, some downtime. They need it. Yeah, it's true. It is very true. And then we talk about it. You know, they are going to lose some free agents. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, Evan Gaddis, uh, Brian McCann likely will be gone. Dallas Keuchel, Tony Sipp, Martin Maldonado. So, you know, of course, uh, you're still getting guys back. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, uh-huh. Alex Bregman, all the important pieces. The core, yeah. yeah. But there are some moves that are and need to be made. Of course, the Astros have to find a catcher. And I think they have to go out there and they need to get another bat out, another outfield bat more than likely. So the guys that uh, their their contracts are up, mm-hmm. are they restricted or unrestricted? They're unrestricted. Uh, so they yeah. can come back if they want. They, oh yeah, absolutely. They can come back. McCann has a te- has a team option for next year, but it's I think it's about twenty million dollars, and I, there's no way that the Astros pick up that contract. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Keuchel is likely to be heavily sought after in free agencies. I can't imagine the Astros being willing to spend the type of money that, that he's probably going to be that offered. He's pro- yeah, that he's going to be offered. Yeah. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez is the is a guy out of all those players. I would that like I would, to see I, him come back. I would too, but you know, I think I, I think I'm hearing some rumors and such that I think I think the Mariners or one of the teams in the AL West, one of the Astros division opponents, is going to make a heavy push for him. So that's going to be tough. It is. It is going to be really tough. Of course, uh, you know those are big losses. But that being said, there are some free agents out there that the Astros can go out there um, and fill the voids. And I really think I'm with you. I think the Astros will be right back there and tension next year yeah especially when you look to the rest of the al west i don't expect oakland to be back as good as they were this year they're going to be good they're going to mm-hmm. be competitive uh same thing with the mariners i think the it's the al west is the astros division to win next year and going into the playoffs mm-hmm. I, I think they there's a very good chance they could be the team to be going in the playoffs but, i sure hope so will yep well that being said of course uh one team that actually did not disappoint us this past week was those houston texans got their third straight win against the buffalo bills uh 20 to th- 20 to 13 of course as we said to move to three and three now tied <laughs> with the division lead between jacksonville and tennessee for the best We're record finally at 500 they are finally at 500 500 of course hey i told you not to count them out you know and like i said they're gonna win another 10 straight games go to that 13 and 3 just like keep we it predict. will keep this oh i know yeah no that was that not one of my better predictions but uh that being said of course yeah i got that 20 to 13 win over the buffalo bills uh defense really looked great once again now of course they were going up against two subpar quarterbacks mm-hmm. a rookie quarterback and uh the interception prone nathan peterman uh, so not too big of a test for the Texans defense, but that being said, they did what they needed to do. Uh, they got the win. Uh, one, a couple observations from the game, of course, Deshaun Watson finished the game 15 of 25, 177 yards, uh, one touchdown, but two interceptions against yeah. that Bills defense. And uh, this is now the second straight week where the Texans have not had over 100 yards rushing as a team. That being said, you know, the offense looked pretty shaky yeah. against a very subpar team. Uh, and the Texans have a big matchup coming up against Jacksonville, uh, mm-hmm. last year's division champions. 
um, as well, arguably the best team in the division. So that being said, of course, Deshaun Watson's interceptions, he's been he's thrown an interception, I believe, in every single game this yeah. year. Uh, and I think that a lot of that is in part because of how bad the offensive line has been. <laughs> but that being said, are, are you are you concerned at all about Deshaun Watson's performance? Are, have you been encouraged at all from what you've seen from him? Or is this one of those things that's just going to take time to, to get to figure out? I feel like I'm not really concerned with his performance as I've been uh, pleased with what he's been doing overall. Mm-hmm. Overall. Um, I would like to see him put matters into his own hands a little bit more instead of relying heavily on what the coaches are telling him to do because it's a whole nother I mean it's a whole nother game out there when you're actually on the field versus what the the coaches might see something different and you might see something mm-hmm. different. I would like to see him get in, get his team into a little bit more of running. Although I know he can't call those shots all the time, yeah. just when he needs to and when he knows it's necessary to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. And I, I actually think that's a really good point because you look back to last year, uh, you know, the offensive line was still really bad, but I think I, I think there might be a little bit more hesitation on his part this year because, yeah. he, you know, he did have the knee injury. And Deshaun Watson is a mobile quarterback, but he's not the type of mobile quarterback that relies solely on his legs. And that's what we really like about him. Yeah. Is he, he, he trusts his arm. He trusts his receivers. Um, and he goes out there and he performs. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, it's it's got to be hard for him. You know, when you've got two tackles out there, guys that are just, I mean, they wouldn't be, I'm not sure they'd be second string on any other team yeah. in the NFL. It's hard when you're back in the pocket and you know you have to get rid of the mm-hmm. ball quick. And, you know, luckily he's got some weapons where, you know, they can make that happen a lot of right. times. But that being said, when you're constantly worried as a quarterback about me getting the ball off, I'm yep. not going to have time in the pockets. And especially when you're going up against a team like Jacksonville this week, who, I mean, that's Saxonville right there just because of how lethal, yeah, how lethal that pass rush is. You know, it's hard. I mean, you can tell yeah. us as, a, as an athlete, of course, how tough it is when you've all, you're constantly worried about the, the other guy on yeah, the other he's side. Yeah, not, he's not performing to his maximum right now. You can tell that he's still kind of shaky and just trying to figure it out. And his, his decisions are being, you know, he has some made good decisions. But I feel like in times of he shouldn't have to worry about, okay, is the offensive line going to protect me? Yeah. Or can I get this, you know, off or that off? And then... It already sucks when you have, you know, one of your receivers being doubled, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it just leaves him at limited space when he's not able to make the plays that he needs to make because of the offensive line not protecting him when Absolutely. they need to. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree 100%. And the, the good thing for the Texans, though, is the defense is finally back. We expected this defense to be yeah. really, really good coming into this year. Uh, hey, J.J. Watt registered another sack, uh, sack on the year. I <laughs> good mean, job, J.J. I know. He, I mean, this guy, I mean, I got I to gotta be honest. You know, of course, I did not think J.J. Watt was going to be back Nobody at this level. Did. Yeah, I mean, the guy, of course, you know, def- former defensive player of the mm-hmm. year. Nobody really expected him to return to that status after the back injury, but I think he's really proven most of these he guys wrong. He may get it again. He uh, really might, yeah. Uh, he's in the talks of it, and, and it's, it's so crazy because, I mean, do you give it to him because of how well he's performing after that injury, mm-hmm. or yep. do you give it to him because he deserved it? Like you know, uh, Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, he, he looks like one of the most disruptive players on the field every yeah. time. And another guy that's been incredibly disruptive as well is Jadavion Clowney. It just oh, seems yeah. like they're feeding off each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jadavion Clowney is definitely more more comfortable as an outside as an outside rusher but you know i i think the more you see them line him up inside that just he's absolutely disruptive and he might not be necessarily mm-hmm. comfortable there but i think that just shows the caliber of right. player that jadavion Clowney is where you put him in an uncomfortable spot and he is still going to be yeah. that disruptive because and that's he's what's doing, making this defense lethal yeah he's doing what he has to do to make the team better whatever the team needs he's going to do 
And uh, I love that about him. You got to love a player like that who's who's willing to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. for the team to be successful. Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, getting into it, of course, we talked about the Jaguars. Are, are The Texans will be at at the Jacksonville Jaguars this, uh, <laughs> this Sunday at noon. Um, but, yeah, this is a big game with big implications. Of course, the Texans have three straight wins. The Jaguars are coming off two straight blowout losses. They got beat 30 to 14 by the Chiefs two weeks ago, and they got beat by by like 30 points against the Cowboys last week. So, you not know, 30. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, they they have not looked good. They have not looked like this Jacksonville team they were last year. So, yeah. this is a this is a game where of course uh, Texans, I think, need to come out and they need to they need to take some shots early. Of course, you have to get you have to be prepared to get the ball out quick if yeah. you're Deshaun Watson because those guys are going to be coming. But, quick and hard yes they really are and i mean of course the ja- jaguars are going to be fired up because they know how big of a game this is you know they've lost mm-hmm. the division lead here in the last two weeks but uh you know of course this is a huge game big implications on both parts uh, or on both teams but the fact is you know of course this is going to be a defensive battle i think it's, yeah it it's definitely gonna- is it probably will be a low scoring game so mm-hmm. i mean you just never really know but I mean, I, I just want my Texans. Ah, no, I know it, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really fun game. I think to watch. It's gonna be ugly when it, when both teams are on yeah. the offensive side because I think, uh, you know, of course, Blake Bortles, the Jaguars' quarterback this this year, has not performed at all like they had hoped he would after giving mm-hmm. him the new contract. Um, and then same thing on the Texans side. You know, a team that's been prone to interceptions yeah. against a team that forces a lot of turnovers. It's going to be one of those games where, of course, who, whatever team I think can get clicking on it's offense the soonest. Fight. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's you know, you might even see a pick six, a defensive touchdown, be the difference in this game, right? Uh, just because of how great both of these teams are on the yeah. defensive side. But I would like to see. Um, I would like to see this be like a, a season changer, a season defining moment for Absolute, even yeah. uh, Deshaun Watson uh, with a big game like this coming up, especially with a with a better defensive team. Um, I would like to see it be a, like a game, a season changer. Yeah, and I, like yeah, just a turning point that mm-hmm. really you know that really put them on the right track. And I mean, I think I think you're you're absolutely right because this is a big game because if you look to the Texans schedule for the rest of the way, mm-hmm. it's actually one of the weakest in the NFL. Yeah. So this is a this is a very tough game that they've got going on for them. Um, I think really, you know, outside of going to Philadelphia weeks uh, 15, 16, 17, whichever week that is that they go out there, there's not a game on the schedule that the Texans I don't think should be necessarily the big underdogs going yeah. into it. Uh, so if they can get this win, they can get above five hundred to four and three. Uh, you know, of course that pushes uh, that pushes Jacksonville, of course, out of the out of having the best record in the, right. in the division. And I, you know, I, I need to check and see who Tennessee has got this week. But that being said, that's really going to put the Texans on the right track to get back to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and hopefully get this team back to where we expected them right. to be before the year started. Yeah, hopefully we're just going through trying to you know just figure it out for who who the Texans are. We're just trying to figure that out, and hopefully, like I said, this is the game that can kind of you know be a defining moment for them um because they're a really talented team they are and 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 with that much talent I know it has to be frustrating when the games that you're supposed to win you know they seem a little bit tougher Mm -hmm. yeah um versus you know games that you lost like you know a New England game Mm -hmm. they were supposed to lose it but they did come back Mm -hmm. um they didn't lose by by very much but the games that they're supposed to win it has to be frustrating to to battle that much yeah and I mean to be to be clear with this Texans team I mean they've got a long way to go to get to get to of course the what we expected them to be coming into this year as far as the AFC championship and it's Mm -hmm. tough you know of course the, the NFL is tough but you know, bad coaching. Of course, we still see mm-hmm. the coaching woes game to game, even during this three-game win streak. 
So, I mean, I think this is going to be a telling game because, of course, the Texans, if they're going to win this game, they, they have got they've got to have a great game plan yeah. because I think it's impossible to say that the Texans are going to be able to contain that Jacksonville pass mm-hmm. rush. And, and yeah, like I said, I think that Deshaun is going to have to, you know, put a little bit more, you know, of his mm-hmm. own authority in the games when he can, not all the time, but just when he see fit, mm-hmm. when he knows, like you have that good instinct, especially mm-hmm. as a quarterback, you know, I know he know he sees different things that they don't see. He, mm-hmm. He's going to have to try to take that risk and take that chance and just show them, I got this. Yeah, and I mean, if he takes those risks, I mean, it's got to work out it's in their gonna, favor. Yeah, it's got to work it, out because this, to. yeah, I mean, this is a Jacksonville team where, of course, if you give them, I mean, you start turning the ball over, I mean, you could be yeah. at four or five interceptions real quick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, the, the big matchup, though, that I'm really, really looking forward to in this game, <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins versus Jalen Ramsey, the outspoken cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jalen Ramsey is not you think he's going to shut him down? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, Ramsey has gotten, has not played or performed too well. I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how he played last week against the Cowboys, but he did talk a lot of mess against Tyreek Hill against oh. Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago. Uh, Tyreek Hill went out there and had a pretty big game against him, kind of shut him up. So you haven't heard Jalen Ramsey talk as much in the past couple days. But that being said, that is going to be the best matchup. Mm-hmm. The two, uh, probably the two best players on the field at uh, you know when they're on the field, of course, right. between all those guys, uh, those are probably the two best players on the field. And I mean, it's going to be an absolute dogfight between them. And it's mm-hmm. gonna, I think it's going to get chippy. And I think that is going to be kind of, I think Plenty that matchup, flags. yeah, <laughs> and, hey, and I think that matchup is really going to kind of set the tone for the rest of the game because, you know, Jalen Ramsey, of course, has been like I said, he is not shy about talking trash on the field. And I think you've seen it with DeAndre Hopkins. He's yeah, not he's shy not about, either. He's not shy about giving it back, of course. So yeah. it's going to be a fun matchup to see how it works out. But again, yeah, this is just this is going to be a very, very telling game uh, for both sides. I think this. Mm-hmm. I honestly think uh, you know it's one of these two teams that's going to end up being the division champion. And I'm not going to say whoever wins this will be the winner of the division, but we get a glimpse. It's yeah, we're going to get a glimpse. <laughs> and hey, we're going. This is really going to set the tone for the rest of the year because it's hard. Uh, you know, it's of course it's hard to go into Jacksonville and win the game uh, with that pass rush that they have, and this is going to be Jacksonville's first game back uh, after the two-game losing streak on the road. So I think they're going to be fired up. Yeah, and and when you think about it, we're on a what, three-game win streak. Yep, three. They're game on a two-game lose streak. That's true. Yeah. But of course, I like as we said. I mean, there's Deshaun Watson is going to have to come out and have a big game, yes. and as well, we're going to have to have a good game plan. We need to execute. Our coaches have to be able to execute when it comes to you know calling this game. All right. That being said, before we go to break, Trina, let's go ahead and get your prediction. Twenty-four, thirteen. Who? Texans. Ah, uh, yeah. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> but I think Jacksonville gets that pass rush going. I think they get a couple interceptions, a couple defensive touchdowns. I'm going to say 21-13 Jaguars. Ooh, okay. We'll see, though. I hope I'm wrong because, of course, I need them to get to 13-3 and three so I can prove I know, you, I'm to help you out. and Chuck wrong that they will get there. But uh, it's going to be tough. Of course, tough game coming up here, but we'll see. I, once they get past that, it might be a little bit more manageable. Mm-hmm. Well, coming up, of course, the Rockets got their season kicked off in a pretty disappointing fashion as well, <laughs> something we're used to as Houston sports fans, especially this week. Uh, but Trina's going to break down, of course, what was going on with the Rockets as well there was some big news coming out of the nba of course a new rule uh as it regards to guys coming out as one and done players so got a lot to talk about there so stay tuned you're listening to wild card sports on vinyl draft radio did you see that the gili thing Uh, which actually sounds creepy sports with will and trina coming up vinyl draft radio still creepy good people of texas cast aside the everyday and come as thou art not to the texas renaissance festival 
feast and frolic amongst nobility, barbarians, and magical creatures. Create your own fantasy with clothing, jewelry, and more from hundreds of one-of-a-kind shops. The Texas Renaissance Festival. Nine weekends of feasting and merriment starting September 29th. Get your tickets now at texrenfest.com. Huzzah! If you have a vehicle registered in Texas, you can join artists like Lyle Lovett, Pat Green, Randy Rogers, and more when you purchase a Texas Music license plate from the Texas DMV. 22 out of the $30 fee goes directly towards the Texas Music Office, which funds music lessons and instruments for under-resourced school children, as well as towards funding live music and community music programs all around the state. Just head to TexasMusicOffice.com or the Texas DMV for more info on how to order your Texas Music specialty license plate. Lamont Brands is a veteran-owned business serving the Houston Clear Lake area and beyond. Their in-house capabilities include screen printing, embroidery, rhinestones, heat press transfers and thermal flex design, as well as e-commerce solutions and on-site fulfillment. If you're looking to brand your business through custom apparel and or promotional products, Lamont Brands should be your first and only call. Lamont Brands is located at 920 Gemini in Houston. Give them a call at 281-286-7553 or visit them online at lamontbrands.com. We the people have a right to superior cocktails and Preamble Lounge and Craft House would like to welcome you to a new cocktail revolution. Our Speakeasy-inspired lounge offers signature craft cocktails in an intimate setting. With a wide selection of high-end spirits, infusions, barrel-aged beverages and cocktails, there is something for every budget. Preamble is located at 20801 Gulf Freeway in Webster and open Monday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Preamble Lounge and Craft House, a new cocktail revolution. Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Welcome, welcome back, everybody. This is Trina and Will. What is up? This is Wild Card Sports on Vinyl Drive Radio. Hope you guys have been enjoying the show so far. Um, We had talked about the Astros, man. We feel so sad for them. Don't bring it up again. Of course, Uh, they are our. There will always be our world series champions that's true until that next true. year so further notice but um they had a very very good season they did. despite they really did. despite the injuries and despite coming off that uh world series win um the texans of course we're looking forward to them you know doing great things for the rest of the season they're of course three and three um playing the jacksonville jaguars this week mm-hmm. sunday to be exact hopefully right. you guys tune in and watch that give them a little bit of energy if you're if you can send those good vibes to Jacksonville. Yeah, if you're sitting around or you know out watching the game. But now I want to talk about the Houston Rockets, our uh, other home team. Uh, well, guys, we do know that last year our Rockets did get to the Western Conference Finals. Franchise record in wins. We did get to the Western Conference Finals. We were one game shy away from the NBA Finals. We were robbed. Uh, <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> this season, however, we had our home opening on Wednesday against the New Orleans Pelicans uh, with high hopes of bringing Carmelo Anthony in. Um, Will, from, from your perspective, although we did take a loss on the first season open first game of the season opener Mm -hmm. what do you think um the addition of Melo is going to do for the Houston Rockets he didn't score in double figures yeah nine points I think he had nine points in what 27 minutes or something like that so yeah you know of course it wasn't the best of beginnings to get Melo out there but that being said 
you know, I'm still hopefully optimistic. Of course, the defense was, I mean, obviously horrendous. And that's one of the things that we were really, really worried about coming into this year. But as far as Melo goes, I think it's going to be a transition. It's going to be a transition. Yes. It's not a, It's not something that you can just come in and expect, right. uh, you know, to work out. And I think he even said himself, you know, it's mentally challenging it to, to come off the bench. So that being said, as long as Melo has the right mindset and is willing to adapt to this role and willing to do what it takes to help this team, you know, I think it's I think it's one of those things that can eventually work out. Now, on yes. the flip side of that, if he continues to have some bad games and Melo is of the mind that, hey, this is not working out and becomes it starts making an issue, saying he needs to be in the starting lineup, that's when I think it becomes worrisome. But right now, you know, it's the first game of the year. Of yeah. course, you know, it's that was a very, very bad loss, 131-112. But right. that being said, I'm not ready to, to say that the Melo thing is – the ex- Melo experiment has failed in it because it's just yeah, one game. Yeah, no, it, not at all. Um, when you talk about a guy who's an all-star, has always been the face of – Mm-hmm. You know, his NBA teams and uh, until he got to OKC, of course, but Denver, uh, New York and then going to OKC, being mm-hmm. a guy that's always been a starter and being a guy that's always been looked to to produce mm-hmm. um, transitioning. Now, he's a, a, a seasoned veteran. Yes. Um, you know, to, to come off the bench, it, it kind of it, it does play like a mental a mental game with you mm-hmm. because you're used to being one thing and now you're just being relied on to do what's best for the team and not what you have to do. He's not the James Harden. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you think about guys like that, he's surrounded with, with James Harden and Chris Paul, uh, two of the most unselfish guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it won't be a problem necessarily for Melo to fit on right on in and jail in and uh, just get his flow going and his rhythm mm-hmm. because Eric Gordon didn't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And I think it's one of those things. I think we were so spoiled last year when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, I, I the last year when Chris Paul came, I wasn't the one of the ones that said it wasn't going to work out. But at the same time, I didn't think it was going to click right away. Not I thought it was going to, yeah. yeah. But it did, obviously. Game uh-huh. one, now Chris Paul got hurt game one, but they beat the Warriors. Uh, he missed the next you know 15 games or so and mm-hmm. then of course came back and the Rockets were on the same page so I think we were spoiled by that and that's what we were expecting when it comes in with Melo but there you know the thing is it's not like this team just added Carmelo Anthony right. you know it's this is a very different team than it's it was last year. It's a very different year. team. Yeah Trevor Ariza gone Luke and Mute your two best wing defenders you lost uh you replaced them with guys with james like james ennis, ennis yeah, yeah. Uh, michael carter williams you saw get some minutes so this is a new team this is this is not the same team where it was like it last right. year where they just added one a one a couple pieces in there and mm-hmm. pj tucker and chris paul it's a completely different team yeah. and that's i think it's going to take time for them to yeah gel. i definitely think that as well will when you talk about the new starting lineup and just mm-hmm. these guys just really getting acclimated and i think james james ennis can be very big for us mm-hmm. um on the wing um i just I think that um, it's going to take some time for them to rebuild that chemistry because they almost have to re re-identify who they are as the Rockets. I mm-hmm. mean, we know what they're going to do. We know their game style and how they're going to play, but we have to figure out what, what our identity is going to be. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's a great point on that one. And, you know, I'm not going to say I'm not worried about this Rockets team, and mm-hmm. I don't know about you because I'll ask you the same question here in a second, but but at the same time, I'm not necessarily overly concerned on this. It's a long mm-hmm. season. Uh, you know, of course, it looked two years ago when the Rockets, you know, took off in the Mike D'Antoni age, you know, they lost game one, of course, yeah. to the Lakers. Um, now, of course, that game was on the road. But that being said, it you know, it is a little it, there is a little cause for concern because of how bad the defense looked. Uh, New Orleans was shot over 60 percent from the field. Uh, Anthony Davis looks like like he's going to be on on, he, on his way to an MVP. Yeah, he this definitely year. he definitely said that he, you know, he's out for the MVP. Oh, yeah. And it, it's no secret in the NBA. Um they look really good. 
The yeah. Pelicans look really good. They look like they could be a mid, you know, mid-level ranking team in the mm-hmm. West, probably a four or five seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give them that because they got better. Yeah, they really they did. They added Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Nikolai Mirotic play, yeah, played out of his mind, 30 points. he played great. I, I didn't know how to say his last name. Mirotic, he played yeah. great. <laughs> he played absolutely great. Um, Alfred Payton. I mean, you, you oh, just Oh, I got, forgot they had gotten Payton as well. That's he, another guy, another he, great scorer. Yeah, you have guys that are surrounded by Anthony Davis now to where you know it it, it it almost has to work out in their favor for them to be that mid-level mm-hmm. uh western conference team absolutely yeah all right well let me uh, let me turn this question back i mean after the game of course you were there of course <laughs> watching um but that being said i mean are, is there any cause for concern on this i mean are you worried about this defense at all as it you know as it goes on for the rest of the year is this one of those things that's just going to take time to work out i think it's going to take time to work out i do not think we will be a better defensive team than we were oh no yeah last no chance year, um which that part kind of worries me a little bit because although we have added offense um i would like to see these guys dig a little bit deeper Mm-hmm. and just really own that um the defense that the Rockets usually like to bring yeah and I mean because it's it's one of those understated things from last year I mean we were a great defensive team last mm-hmm. year we were it wasn't that we were a great offensive team and our defense got a spot we were a really really mm-hmm. good defensive team and the fact is yeah when you lose your two best wing defenders you're yeah. gonna take a step back and I mean I think we talked about it you know I, I don't think any one of us ex- uh, expected us to be better than we were last year at least as, in terms of win yeah. win losses uh, but that being said, you know that's tough to come back from losing your two best wing right. defenders like that. So if you can get if you can get this team clicking, uh, of course, and James Ennis is one of those guys that we we're expecting to come in here mm-hmm. and be a really good uh, wing perimeter defender. You know, if you can get those things to go, you know, to fall in place, there's no reason to think that team yeah. can't, be, can't be the two seed. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. think that we'll still win about 60 games, 60 plus games. Really? Okay, I so really still 60 do. plus. I wow. really still think so. But I think that it's going to take some time. Uh, this, this loss against New Orleans, it kind of felt like not a preseason game, but just a game. Mm-hmm. You know, adjusting, knowing that the season's back, basically a brand new team, just mm-hmm. trying to figure it out, how we gel. Gerald Green didn't uh, even get his wheels going. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric Gordon got his going. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the team overall, um, just playing with new guys and playing new roles. and Because mm-hmm. every year your role is going to change, especially in the NBA. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing I would say, of course, is I'm not – the only thing that would make me overly concerned, and there's no way to know this, is – you know, if the locker room doesn't react well to this loss, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 this is, I mean, I don't think that this is completely unexpected for them to come in here and not be able to adapt like that right. or be able to, but, you know, of course, like I said, the only thing that I'm concerned about is if, you know, Melo has another game off the bench or another couple games where he struggles and, you know, talks about being mentally challenged when it comes to, you know, yeah. coming off the bench. If that continues to happen, uh, you know, you just don't want to see the mindset change with this team where, yeah. of course, they don't have trust in the coaching staff and don't have trust in the game plan itself. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. And especially being able to play against uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron this That's Saturday. That's right. Saturday, LeBron's home opener. Let me tell you one thing about it. It's going to be a very good game. I agree. It's going to be a very good game. You got two two teams, two very good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the target on LeBron being watched and see how well that he'll get mm-hmm. a, a chance to play against the MVP and his team that actually went to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. So you get it. I think you get a chance to see a really good game Saturday. I agree. Yeah, and you talk about the Lakers, another team that's coming off a disappointing mm-hmm. opening loss yeah. against Portland. But they looked good. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And I mean, I think it's you know, of course, it's going to be one of those games where, of course, everybody's going to be fired up. Carmelo, of course, playing against his close friend LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime, yeah, you're anytime you're the Rockets and you're playing LeBron, you know the Rockets are going to get up for that. Game. 
game. Yeah, so, he's in the West now. Yeah, that's right. So, hey, I think it's, you know, I think it might be a very telling game, of course, for the rest of the year. Of course, yeah. you want to see Melo adapt to that, uh, you know, to that bench role and that. And But again, the same thing. I mean, I'm not expecting, you know, I'm not expecting everything to click 100% right. at one time. It's going to take exactly. time. Exactly. It's going to be a very good game to watch. Make sure y'all come out to Pitch 25 this Saturday. Oh, Pitch 25. <laughs> you know, I Ewing actually, party. you know, I didn't realize that it's at Pitch 25, but uh, I know I digress a little bit, but I was actually, I was passing by that as I was walking home from the Astros game on that very cool place. So yeah, yeah. everybody should definitely go out there everybody and check it out. Everybody should come out, check it out. We're going to have a pop shot, pop shot tournament right nah. before the viewing party. Uh, so is it, a, is it a tournament out. if I come out there since everybody knows I'll probably win? It's still a tournament. Oh, okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> no, I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah. But I want to transition a little bit into this new rule that the mm, NBA G mm-hmm. League has, Will. Yes. Um, they want to offer, I think it was $125,000 right. to elite prospects that did not want to do the one and done yes. rule with college. Um, do you think that this is shifting um, college athletics in general, like, saying oh it's okay to not go get your education or it's okay to pass up on a a college experience or you know you know what if you if you know for certain that you're going to be a professional basketball player you're going to the nba why not just go to the you know nba g league and you know you'll have money you'll be okay yeah i mean i i think it's a step in the right direction i i think but at the same time i still see a lot of issues with this i mean you know you talk about it and i think the big term here is elite prospects yeah elite yeah and what classifies a kid as elite and that's rankings yeah and that was that was the thing that that uh you know there was a lot of topic for controversy Mm -hmm. when they were talking about doing something like this you know i think we talked about a few months ago yeah and unless something's changed and i haven't read too much on it unless something changed it sounds like the nba is going to rely on usa basketball as well as the NCAA to be able to tab these guys as elite prospects and I don't think USA Basketball or the NCAA wants that responsibility I'm not sure it's right for the NBA to give them that responsibility now I could be wrong something might have changed on this one Um, you know I need to do a little bit more reading on it but yeah, the term elite prospects, I just, I don't know. I I, I feel like there's, it, it's still kind of a broken system. I think we should just need to go back to, of course, you know, I, I baseball has, has an excellent way mm-hmm. where, you know, of course, if you're, if you come out of high, you can come out of high school and you can get drafted. Even if you get drafted, you can still go to school. Yeah. And then on top of that, but if you do go to school, you have to be there for at least three years. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just, I think that that, that system in itself, I think would work, uh-huh. but I, I don't know. I mean, what I think is, a right a step in the right direction i think so i think it is you know it's nice to see them change you know change it up a little bit but i don't know that elite prospect thing yeah, is the one thing that kind of concerns me it's tough because what what's an elite you know prospect i mean is it rankings one through ten is it rankings yeah. one through twenty and then it gets it starts to get sticky because if you have an agent then how can you go back to college because yeah. once you sign with an agent you're basically setting yourself up for a professional career and you can't have an agent when you're in college. So it's, it's a little, it gets a little tricky on that end of it. Um, I think what they'll have to do is NBA G league will have to personally invite Mm -hmm. the guys that they think will be able to be those prospects. I don't think it will necessarily have to be, okay, I think I'm an elite prospect. I'm rated, you know, number 25 in the country. I'm just going to go. I think what the NBA G League is going to have to do while they're putting that title out there, um, elite prospects, they're going to have to send letters, personal letters, invitations to these guys in order for that to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a system that, I mean, if it's going to work, they've got a lot of details they need to smooth out Mm -hmm. about that. Because, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking about, 
well, you know, elite prospects. And it's like, now you have to have, uh, you know, a definitive cutoff. And yeah. it's a, there's a lot more responsibility for these guys that are tabbing guys as elite prospects. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't done enough scouting on basketball to know the difference between an elite prospect and the next step in the next tier right after that. Yeah. And it just seems like, I, you know, it's kind of hard when you get to the bottom, you know, you get to a bottom of a list like that, where it's like the cutoff for an elite player versus a not elite mm-hmm. player, you know, is, is there going to be a limitation that, Hey, we can only have 15 elite guys, or is there going to be yeah. like, as many it guys should as, be, yeah. But and I just think at when at the end of the day, yeah, you'll be able to tab those top notch, those five star recruits, the Zion Williamson, right. and you know guys that have come out in the past years as five star recruits. But at the at the bottom of the list, when you're trying to decide the elite, the guys that might be elite from the guys that aren't elite, I think it's going to become a little arbitrary on that one, and it, I think it it's going to be a problem. It's problematic, yeah. So when you when you when you think about that, in a sense, I'm really not a fan of the one and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why I'm not a fan of one and done because you've wasted a whole year of college, you've mm-hmm. wasted someone else's tuition, you've wasted, yes. you know, someone else's scholarship. When you know you're only, if you know you're going to go to the NBA, yeah. then you're only really going for a semester, mm-hmm. which. It, it it serves you no purpose. Yeah. So I just I'm not a big fan of the one and I just feel like it's I mean if you want to go out of high school why not? Yeah, I, I agree 100. percent I mean there's no other career, I mean outside of it, you know no career where you know what to do with your job and right. but just because your age they're restricting you from you know they're restricting that you makes from doing. no sense to me. Yeah. Um. So so when you get these guys in this position saying okay so what are these kids in high school going to do? They're going to be working hard to try to be an elite prospect mm-hmm. like. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, yeah, it comes down to a, somebody else saying, okay, you're an elite prospect. You're, you're not. not. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. I just, I'm, I, you know, of course, like I said, I, it's unless, problematic. Yeah, unless something's changed. But either way, somebody's going to have to choose uh, who the elite prospects are and who isn't the elite prospects. So, you know, I, think, I just, yeah, I think that's going to be a little problematic. Yeah, I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to, you know, take it down a little bit and say, specify, okay, we're going to only invite 10 mm-hmm. selective elite players yeah but only 10 maybe yeah, 10 I, because i mean or i don't know how many teams there are in the nba g league maybe however many teams it is in the nba g league one per team yeah you know put it like that instead mm-hmm. of s- selective elite yeah. like it, it's i mean they've got a lot to work out it's gonna be it's gonna be tough but it's gonna it'll be interesting like i said I, i'm i'm hopefully optimistic that it is a step in the right direction for them right. to make some changes on that one but only time can tell yeah well, that's all the time that we have for today. Trina, as always, I didn't even get a chance to say it. You know, of course, I was a little bummed, but it always is my favorite hour of the week. Of course, thank you for joining me on my favorite hour of the week, Trina. Of course. As will. well as everybody out there that tuned in, of course. Make sure you tune in next week. Uh, we'll have the breakdown for those Texans and Jaguars. Of course, Rockets will be another week into the NBA season on their way, hopefully, to that NBA championship. And, you know, we can uh, we can remember the uh you know the remember the astros 2018 season we'll, we'll be a little bit more optimistic moment that. of silence i know there you go moment of silence for their season but thanks again for everybody tune in make sure again you tune in next week you've been listening to wild card sports on vinyl draft radio hey gordon hey lou 